0: Hi, I'm Mike Brampton. And my name is Julian Ho. Welcome to Veterinary Ramblings. Hello, Jade. Hi. Hi, Jade. Thanks so much for
1: for coming on tonight.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, And as we can see from your hoodie... Yeah, man. Got to brand up. (laughs) You are here for for many reasons, mainly because we want to have you on the show. Uh, Thank you. your, Your remit for being here, I suppose, is to promote street bed, and um and and what's what is all about and what it does and what you do with it and uh, what we can do with it and, and, and things so is it is it uh, a good idea to think just to start off by asking you what what is street bed? because we have listeners in all continents other than antarctica and no. many of those people may not have heard of street bed. so
2: yeah, that's fair enough Mm-hmm. Uh, Street Vet is a registered charity, as of in 2019. So I think we're about we're two years old, which is quite exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are, yeah, fueled by like an army of vet and nurse volunteers, and we go out on the streets and offer free, accessible vet care to pets belonging to those experiencing homelessness across the UK.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So that is pretty much us in a nutshell.
0: So where, where, where did it
2: start? What what started all of this then? Uh, I just had a wee notion uh, and I just kind of got the bit between my teeth and did a very Scottish thing where I don't kind of give up on something. But no, I was, I was out on a night out in London in 2016 with some friends and I always chat to people with dogs and I was chatting to this guy and his dog Brick had really bad skin and he was just it suddenly, I guess, I don't know, I'd never thought about it before, it just hit me, like, where do you go? Like, what do you do? Can you go to the PDSA? Can you go to Blue Cross? Like, what happens here? And he was sort of, yeah, just really, really distressed about it and worried. And I walked away from the conversation just being like, well, if I'd had what I needed in my bag, I could have fixed this dog. It wasn't, it was just itchy skin. It was nothing, you know, dramatic. So... Yeah, just kind of walked away thinking. Sorry, if I could
1: just just cut in for a second because um, our listeners may not know uh, what the PDSA and the Blue Cross are. And they're they're other charities, aren't they? But they're they're office-based or or um, practice-based hospitals uh, where people can access uh, free or or cheaper treatment for their pets. So People's Dispensary for Sick Animals, PDSA. uh, The RSPCA also have uh, hospitals that, that, that people on... Uh, low-income c- can attend. And the Blue Cross, similarly, uh, uh, a, a free at point of care or reduced cost of point of care uh, animal treatment centre. So I imagine that the most uh, countries have those sort of things in, in, in their own, in their own uh, geyser and different names. But get back to, to, to what you were saying. So, sorry for... No, 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 I, no, not you not there, I yes.
2: forgot. I might need to explain these things. Um, yeah, so I just realized that if I'd had what I needed I could have helped and so I walked away thinking okay what's going on here and and what is the provision for people experiencing homelessness with pets can they go to these um hospitals for help we all know obviously as a duty of care if someone turns up for emergency treatment they will be given emergency treatment but there's a difference between emergency treatment obviously and an ongoing care but also Mm -hmm. I guess the big thing that I started to realise from having conversations that then kind of came on from that was that even if they are able to go into like somewhere like the PDSA, they find it quite intimidating. Um, And also there's a, a level of, I guess, you have to prove that you're eligible so you know where as you go to like you said about being on low income you might have to prove that you're on um particular benefits or you know prove that status and how how do you prove you're homeless so um that was something that you know when i actually started to look into it was you know like a really big barrier for people going into any kind of um hospital even if it even if they may well have helped them it, it there was an, a level of of concern for them um a lot of our clients have got a lot of mental health issues, social anxiety. If you go into PDSA or whatever, you'll be asked for a donation. That's just routine. And again, that can be quite um, quite daunting. So there was all of those things that I hadn't actually thought about. So it became apparent that actually taking the veterinary treatment to where people felt the most comfortable, which is where they are actually on the street or in a hostel was something that was actually going to make them trust you and let you start to treat their pet. So, yeah, it just kind of started from that moment. But I I met a guy or I was told about a guy called Joshua Coombs. Um, he's a, a hairdresser who cuts homeless people's hair. He started a movement called Do Something for Nothing. So mm-hmm. it's pretty global. So most people, if you want to check him out, um, but he cuts hair all over the world um, for um homeless people and he his movement do something for nothing someone told me about because they knew I wanted to do something like that mm-hmm. to give your skills back um on the just streets.
1: Do, do something for nothing. Is do it? something just for something.
2: nothing. Mm. Yeah. So um I contacted him and I just said, I want to do what you do. Um and we met up for a coffee and that was yeah five years ago. Um and the first time I went out in the streets to actually help the animals. I went with him, so he was cutting hair, and and I was looking looking at the dogs. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was kind of how it started for me.
1: Wow, wow, that's, that's amazing, and and it's grown presumably from from just you
2: it has thankfully right. <laughs> um i'm not i'm not going to pretend that my parents didn't put a gps tracker in my backpack because they did um <laughs> and we're like what are you doing you're mental like that's a ridiculous thing to do um i also there was quite a lot of people thinking that you know what vets and nurses they're all tired they're all working really long hours the last thing they're going to want to do when they get in is go out and do more and i was like you're wrong. I know you're wrong because I knew that I wanted to do it and I knew friends and colleagues who were like, yeah, we need to be able to get back in this country because mm-hmm. there's lots of, you know, worldwide veterinary service and all these things where you can go abroad and volunteer, but actually to volunteer in the UK is is not that easy um, to do where the platform exists, where somebody has taken all the risks away. So you know that, you know, RCVS are behind it, the veterinary medicines you know everything's done correctly so you can actually risk-free go out do a couple of hours volunteering and and come back and and that's what we so myself and my co-founder sam joseph what we wanted to achieve um and yeah i wasn't disappointed so we had we have full inboxes we have people wanting to volunteer so yeah we're we're in 17 locations across the uk now oh 17 locations that's yeah. amazing.
1: and and how many vets working for you or with you i should say.
2: Yeah, um we've got um latest kind it's about well it's a mixture of vets and nurses so we've got about three between 300 and 350.
1: And they're all working part-time presumably they, they this well, isn't their main job or
2: No, no, so i mean it's a voluntary so they hmm. they give their time so most of our outreaches are for that reason in the evening or at weekends and how whereas when i first did it i went out with a backpack and went for a walk which was totally inefficient and slightly silly and um, so now <laughs> what we do is we've teamed up with um, soup kitchens so wherever we set up a new outreach um, we team up with an outreach team or a soup kitchen because that the homeless community already trust them know them respect them and it's like a you know we go along and we're with them at the same time each week, each month. So our clients get to know where we'll be. So what we ask our volunteers is to commit to two hours a month minimum mm-hmm. um, to volunteer. And it counts as CPD. How exciting. It counts as CPD. Well, that's great. Yeah,
1: that's really good. And two hours isn't a huge amount, is it?
2: It's like one outreach. That, that was the plan. Um, mm. And I mean, there are, I'm not, obviously there's a lot of people that do a lot more than that. Um, But, yeah, that's the kind of expectation that
0: we ask. So, okay, so you you mentioned there that that people are busy and the vets and the nurses are busy during their their day-to-day work and and things like that. So what is your day-to-day work when you're not street vetting?
2: Um, So I'm a street – I am now the – clinical director for street vet so right. I left practice um just over two years ago um because I was I just couldn't work as a vet and run street vet in between it was just getting a bit mm. silly so right. I work as a clinical director of street vet Monday to Thursday and then I work in practice I've gone back to practice one day a week because I missed it uh and yeah street vet's kind of like yeah all all the time a level of it because somebody has to you know, respond to things. Um, but ultimately, yeah, it's mostly my day job Monday to Thursday. Wow. Wow. And
1: is it just a you go out and look around and see if there's anyone who needs help or, or presumably there must be some sort of arrangement to meet people at a certain place for a revisit or for
2: yeah. I mean so there. it's it's very, very It's gone from being um, me being in, I don't know, 35 WhatsApp groups um, to a lot more of, you know, with the teams to being a lot more um, streamlined and processed and and organized now. So um, we have an 0800 number. So all of our clients who are registered with us, they get a tag for their pet, which has got a free phone number on it. So Mm -hmm. the number is for like it's not a public number no one else gets it only our clients so that goes through to a call answering service and if it's out hour of hours then it goes through to our hour of hours Um so vets now do a lot of our of hours work um mm-hmm. or it wow. goes to um the they then field it out to the teams. So each team has got a team lead. um, And then there's usually, I mean, it it can be upwards, but I mean, London's got about 60 volunteers, some of the smaller locations don't have as many. And then the, the calls go out from there. So in terms of how do our clients know where we'll be, we'll be in the same place every single time. So we have an outreach. Before COVID, it was a lot easier because we it was very consistent. We were where we were meant to be every single week and they knew that. And, you know, they would come every week because they were coming to the soup kitchen anyway to get food. They'd bring their dog. And to be honest, a lot of it, you know, they were some of the most well-checked dogs ever because they're seeing vets every single week. But a lot of the time they're coming for chat and they're coming to pick up food for the dogs. So we'd have food, dog food and toys and all that kind of stuff as well. Um, But Obviously, COVID, <laughs> um, you know, sure. the soup kitchen stopped, everything stopped. So we lost a lot of contact with our clients. So a lot of our clients do have mobiles. Um, and we have everybody's registered on our, on our computer system like you would in a normal vet practice. So we sent out a mass text to all our clients just to remind them how to get in touch with us. But a lot of them don't have charge or credit or so it was a really distressing time mm-hmm. for quite a lot of our volunteers because they know their clients so well, they see them all the time and then all of a sudden, where did they go? Um so we we had to do a different kind of outreach, which was targeted. So we would get all of our calls to our out of number when up by over 100% during lockdown. Um, and most of it, if I'm honest, was for food because we were their source of dog food. Um, so we we started to, you know, do drop-offs, obviously social distance, all of that to, to give food. Um, and then I guess our vet fees went through, like doubled as well, because mm-hmm. we're, whereas we would do most of it with a backpack on the street, we were having to refer people into practices and 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 fund it that way. So how, how street vet works is yeah anything that can be done in a consulting room we'll do in the street so we'll take blood we'll test urine we'll find elastric lumps whatever but um and then anything above that that needs a procedure we then fund them to go into practice and we we make relationships the veterinary profession have been phenomenal um we make relationships with with practices and we get a lot of support either like discount pro bono um so yeah we've got this kind of network but yeah it it was it was tricky lockdown and we're still trying to just i guess re sort of get that back to consistent outreaches again where because again the volunteers as we talked about they're tired they're working really long hours in practice Mm. during covid and you know self-isolating sometimes or shielding and doing looking after their, their kids' homeschooling. So yeah, it was it was really tricky, but we're getting back on track now.
1: Wow. That's, that's incredible work. Incredible mm-hmm. work. And and and, and I, there's so many questions I could go on and ask from from a from a veterinary point of view of of, uh, of your limitations and the, the potentials there. But I, I think our, our listeners would would start to, to glaze the their eyes over but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask something I think pretty contentious go and I'll it. lead up to it. Um, I started off by saying I think it's an excellent idea mm-hmm. and, um, and there's a homeless chap that, that um, uh, I, I, I live near Horsham and uh, the, the, this chap and I have sparked up a bit of a, a discussion relationship because he reads the same books as me so whenever I go shopping in Horsham I take along one of my old books and uh, get that to him to read and um, uh, he's uh, sadly he lost his dog to two years ago and um, uh, and, and has been devastated ever since so clearly there is uh, a huge benefit to to homeless people having a pet we know there's a huge benefit to anyone having a pet uh homeless people perhaps even more so a lot of them have mental health problems and find it a struggle to communicate and interact and socialize with uh with other people um in some cases that may have been the cause of them becoming homeless in other cases it's arisen because they become homeless and pets often bridge that, that gap it's companionship um so here we go here's the hard question uh, are pets suffering because they're not looked after properly and should we rather than going along and giving treatment uh, to, to pets that may not be able to consistently get veterinary treatment just say to them, no, I'm sorry if you haven't got a home, then you can't look after a dog. I think yes. we
2: need the answer. and well, let's hear it. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's not contentious. It's fine. I've, I've been asked it. I mean, it's it's a fair enough question. And I think people, you know, have have that question in their mind. They always want to know where do the dogs come from? Like, where do these people get yeah. their dogs? What What's the, the deal there? Um, and also, are they looking after them properly? Um, and I guess, you know, I'm in a privileged position to be able to answer the question like with some evidence to back it to be honest so I mean we've been doing this for for five years now um and in terms of there was um I don't want to bore your listeners with an with an actual um study but there was a study done um mm-hmm. that can com- did uh look at you know housed pets versus um their health status to to those living with those experiencing homelessness it was done by um William and Hog um, at Cambridge vet school and yeah comparable 100% and the, the problems that you see are also very similar and mm-hmm. we we would absolutely concur with that. So I think what people who are unsure or concerned um you know need to I think the biggest thing to think about is where do the dogs come from. And I think once you have the answer to that you you really get it. And I think majority of the people that we are um are our clients had their dogs when they were in a different situation when Mm. they're a link to happier times. You know, I I treated a dog You know, a few months ago, and the owner lost his farm, and this was his sheepdog. You know, like they worked together, lived together. You know, there was no way he was giving up his dog. Um, So sometimes people are on the street for that reason. We all know there's a massive problem with getting accommodation with pets at the moment. Mm -hmm. It's very topical, but you know, so you either don't take accommodation because you're not going to give up your pet or when you are on the street with your pet, you then can't get into accommodation with your pet. So it is a really having a pet and choosing to stay with that pet rather than actually relinquishing it is actually perpetuating homelessness because these people are so bonded and care so much about that pet that they're willing to maintain that status of rough sleeping. Because Mm. and the other thing that we see, and I think, again, sort of confines this is you know, a lot of our clients are sick, you know, they need themselves to go to a hospital and they won't go. They will not go because they don't trust anyone with their Mm -hmm. dog. And Mm -hmm. it's only through, you know, straight vet, having, building trust. Like it can take months and then they're like, okay, okay, I know you guys are not going to take my dog. I'll go, you know, and they go to hospital and we board their dog um, for a period of time until they come out. So I think in terms of health status, you know it's more the same as anyone it's it's education you know they they they're willing to do it once they understand but it's a massive trust issue because what you've got to remember and and I didn't get at all when I started doing this is the people that we're working with have really kind of sometimes slipped through the cracks and you know they don't they've been let down in their lives a lot um by lots of you know different things and different things that happen to them so you know when you go and you offer help they they don't believe it they don't trust they don't Hmm. they think you're very they're very defensive because the only thing that they feel that they are responsible for is that pet that's that's their role that's their reason for getting up in the morning and they worry you know they've got real concerns that you're going to judge them or you know in some way try to separate them from that from that pet so I guess the main thing to think is that that what do pets want? Like, what a, what, what does my dog want? It wants my time. I don't always have that time. Um, they want to be exercised. They want to be fed, and they need veterinary care. Um, and to be looked after. And they have like their owner with them twenty four hours a day. Mm-hmm. Um, so these dogs have separation anxiety. That's something they definitely do have because they're never separate from their owner. So when they do go into boarding or whatever, that that is something that we we do worry about. Um, but yeah, so. In answer to your question, um, uh, they are some of the most profound bonds I've ever seen in my veterinary career, to be honest.
0: Wow. So you, I mean,
2: so, so far, Jade, you've mentioned
0: dogs, 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 dogs. <laughs> no, no, we've you got cats. So, we've uh, got uh, cats. We do. Are, are there any other more unusual pets that that... Uh, that-
2: we so I would say so we've definitely got quite a lot of cats. Um I'd say right. it's about an 80% dog situation. Right. Um, um but we do have we've got a couple of ferrets. We've got um, I believe
1: Presumably they're in Yorkshire down people's trousers, are they?
2: <laughs> I actually ha- personally haven't treated any of the ferrets, but I know that they're in I know they're in London. Um we've got some rabbits, um, um some rats. And we recently helped a gentleman because he needed to go into hospital, and he was in a hostel. Um, and we fostered his bearded dragon for him. So wow! There you go. That's our probably our most unusual one.
1: Gosh, now you'd have to argue that keeping a bearded dragon outside of a vivarium with no source of ultraviolet light
2: it's definitely in a host that one was in a hostel so right. well, a he hostel, had right, right. he okay. had everything he needed yeah no 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 we great. wouldn't advocate great. that great. it was it was properly well looked after in all the Thank necessary you. equipment and went to stay with an exotics vet nurse for the period of time that oh. he was in hospital so great so, yeah
1: great. <laughs> amazing i think it's a fantastic job you're all doing really really is incredible um and again, so Thank many, you. so many questions I could frozen. ask. So many trails we go down. Uh, levels of, of service you're able to offer, and, and uh, uh, the, the, the the degrees of, of happiness and joy that, that that you're enabling for for these these mm-hmm. poor people who who find themselves in a situation that isn't that far removed from from any of us. Uh, what's they all saying? Two pay packets away from homelessness, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I think to be fair, like, yeah, I think COVID has, has you know, made a lot of people see things quite differently. Because, you know, you think you're secure, you think you're fine, your mm. jobs, whatever. And the next thing, oh, <laughs> okay. So the un, the unforeseen happened. So I know that, you know, in terms of street bet, we're experiencing a massive increase, sadly. Um, you know, our Gloucester team, I was talking to them yesterday, would normally be registering a new client every couple of months. They're now registering a new client every week. Um so and that's people are being evicted and you know, all all the usual all the usual things, sadly. So um yeah, I think I kinda I kind of hope that COVID in a backwards kind of way has maybe made people understand how important pets are, just like what you were saying before. They're important to everybody, and people who suddenly were isolated that maybe never had to be isolated before, and the only company they had was their pet can maybe start to understand why that um translates to somebody on the street and why they won't give up their pet. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Right. Completely. What, I mean incredible, incredible work, Jade. What made you become a vet
2: in the first place? <laughs> um I didn't intend to start a charity, I'll tell you that. Um right. yeah, just I don't really have an exciting story where I have like any connections to veterinary medicine in my family. I just read some books. Um, by Virginia Vale called Animal Inn and um, I was 11 and it's about a girl and her dad was a vet and I just loved it and I was like right that's me and a bit like how I said I get a bit like my mum says I get like you know a dog with a bone Um, it would be how most of my family would describe me I just decided that's what I wanted to do so <laughs> from, that was it. From, from the age 11? Yeah yeah I started okay. seeing practice when I was 12 Events, uh, yeah, once a week. Yeah, yeah. 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 can yeah, do you that. Graduated you graduated when you were fourteen. <laughs> 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 yeah, absolutely. So wow. No. Okay, so,
0: so where did you, where did you qualify? Where did you study? Glasgow, Glasgow, okay. So you, you stayed relatively close to home, I presume. I did indeed.
2: I didn't particularly want to, not gonna lie. Um, but just at the time, I know things have changed a lot more vet schools now, but um pretty much of your Scottish, it tended to be going to the Scottish vet schools. Um mm-hmm. so yeah, that was that was it really. Cool. And right.
1: uh, do, do you do um, you uh go back to school and much?
2: Um not that much. Um my mum. And, and dad come down here quite a lot though obviously not at the moment um mm. so but yeah i'm 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 getting married in a couple of weeks and they oh. are coming and i haven't seen my dad for quite some time so yeah oh, wow congratulations,
0: congratulations. So, thanks so, so you will be married by the time this goes out
2: yeah i guess so wow <laughs>
0: that's okay. a thought so yeah. so yeah. Will you be still known as Jade Statt then, or?
2: uh... Oh no, it's a hard one Um, because, like in the veterinary world, that's kind of what you get used to being called, isn't it? Mm -hmm. But um, no, I was planning to change it, but he's in the veterinary world too, so it's all just a bit, you know. Uh, And
1: and is he a street vet as well?
2: No, he is uh, the editor of the Vet Times. Oh,
1: ah, I know. uh, Yes. Well, so yeah. I hope the I hope the wedding is fantastic, and I hope uh, you have a yeah. very very happy married life together. Congratulations!
0: Congratulations.
2: Sure yeah. <laughs> absolutely. I'll, I'll, but, I'll raise a drink to that. Yeah. No, and, I've, uh, got, I've got I've got coffee here, but I'll I'll raise it oh, too. Yeah, oh, I've, I've,
0: that's what I've got. Yeah, mm. I've got, I've yeah, got mm. got I've, got, I've got coffee as well.
1: Yeah. Mm. yeah. <laughs> um, I have another question about street bed. Mm. If that's all right, indeed. Um,
2: Amen. Yeah, Fine.
1: Which is. Uh, We've mentioned mental health. We mentioned the the positive mental health of, of owning a pet, uh, and you've mentioned the the stress that, that uh, the, the veterinary team has been under uh, because of COVID. And of course, the veterinary team is always under stress. Uh, yeah. We we have the highest rate of of uh, mental unhealth of, uh, of any of the professions. Does presumably the benefits of of helping out of giving your time uh a massive improvement in in mental health aren't they there's the feel-good factor that you are doing something for other people but they must hear and see such horrific tales uh, of desolation and sadness uh do, do do you find that people uh have compassion problems they, they 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 burn out through through uh charitable work of this nature or Yeah, I mean,
2: I guess when we first started doing this, I didn't really think about the kind of impact that, you know, potentially you're taking a big bunch of fixers. You know, we all like to help. That's what we want to do and we want to fix problems and sending them out to work with, you know, a, a demographic of people who potentially have a life expectancy for a male on the street is not more than 45 um and it just didn't hit with me and then I've been doing street vet for I can't remember I think it was a couple of years and someone that I had worked really closely with um died and I was beside myself and I was just like what have I done like I literally sat in my room thinking I've just created like a big problem here like how can I send people who are like me you know but we want we that's what we do we (laughs) you know and and you're getting close to people whether you want to or not because it is that kind of a a nature you know you're building trust and building a relationship and and I I really struggled I was gonna walk away um and and say this is this is not okay I i maybe you know and um yeah I just sort of took stock and thought right we need to make sure these people are really really supported um and it is hard and you can put loads of boundaries in place like you mustn't give out your phone number and you might you know and it's all all in the but ultimately if if you took me back I'd do exactly the same thing as I did with Mm -hmm. Dean that the 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 gentleman that died like I would have probably broken all those rules myself because some people just you know you just have a a connection with he was about the same age as me um and yeah it's it is really hard and and we say to people who are coming on board to volunteer for street vet it might not be for you like i am not gonna you know um make this out that it's it's all singing all dancing and everything's wonderful it's not it's hard you see Mm. things that you've probably never seen before um and you will be exposed to things that it's very hard to to walk away from and one of the it was a couple of years ago we did a survey with about 118 of our volunteers and we asked them um you know what they found the most challenging about street bit and they all said the walking away and feeling helpless and and that really hit me because you know we're we just we can do our one bit but we can't you know we at the end of the day we walk we leave and they're in the snow and, and we go back to our house so um it's it isn't for everybody and what we have done or what i've tried to do so is we have a conference every year um a two-day conference where we all well we try and get as many of us together but it's got 180 people capacity so not everybody can come um and we have quite a few interactive sessions we do quite a lot of well-being stuff we've got um Rosie Alistair from Vet Helpline runs a reflective mm-hmm. webinar with me every month, the same day every month. So if people do have a particularly difficult case or something they've exposed, they can come on and just talk to other people who are volunteering with Street Vet in the same who get it. And we talk different topics like moral distress, moral injury, compassion fatigue, all of that kind of stuff. Um, everyone's got access to mental health first aid training for free um, and
1: could, could I say, through. sorry, I, I, I did a mental health first aid course recently, yeah, uh, and it was fantastic. And I would urge anyone to uh, to, to to get the training. Uh, it was a it was a four day course uh, via Zoom. I think it's a two day. Two face, day in yeah. yeah, mm-hmm. um, but it was ab- absolutely amazing. Uh, they, they they work on on very easy principles to understand. Uh, basically, first aid for mental health is, is the same as first aid for for anything else. You're you're putting a bandage on and teaching them how to seek further help. Uh, but but sorry to, to, to no no that. not at all no mental uh, health first aid
2: yeah so we do we, we do that and then um, yeah everybody has a buddy um, we have a buddy system and yeah we we've just introduced I try and do as much as I can to be honest because I I did I. Mental health is a massive thing for me. I used to be on the vet life board. Um I've suffered with my own mental health, um, which is probably one of the reasons that I started Street Vet. And I guess um it's we started veterinary, we teamed up with Lacey um pitcher with veterinary pay it forward, and we've now we nominate each other and they get like a well-being package sent to them um, that Street Vet covers and we have volunteer of the year award and we just try really hard to um acknowledge and kind of come together as a community we have cpd that we run every month as well um but yeah it is um yeah i can't dress it up it's it's definitely it's definitely hard work um and it's it's not like what you do in practice at all um would be my my feeling on it you know Mm -hmm. you've got to consider a whole different host of circumstances um and things that you know you can and can't do and that you have to consider wow yeah
0: it,
1: it, so, it sounds
2: so
0: so surely this is this is, all of those support structures and everything else that you're doing have evolved yes. over, <laughs> over the time you're doing it so so when um forgive me when that young girl went out with a rucksack first night
1: <laughs>
0: <yeah>. <laughs> so has that evolved as you've gone on and learnt more or that first time you went out with your rucksack, did you think I need this, we 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 need this and, no. and the whole world.
2: Yeah. I'd love to, I'd love to think that I had that degree of foresight. Um, but no, it was the this most steep learning curve of my life um, has been, has been doing this um, from my naivety and ignorance about how the help would be received, um, about how the help could be delivered. And I think the thing I was sure about was that the profession would get behind it. I really, Mm -hmm. I I didn't ever doubt that. And they have not disappointed me in one way from the wider industry to the pharmaceutical companies, to everybody. Um, I also (laughs) knew that getting it across the line was going to be hard. Like I'd have to have a lot of meetings with a lot of people um, Mm -hmm. just to make sure that I was doing everything correctly. Because the last thing I wanted to do was like, jeopardize anyone else's career because I hadn't done things you know we hadn't put everything in place that we needed to mm-hmm. but in terms of understanding homelessness and the layers and complexities absolutely not and I ge- genuinely also didn't get how by helping the animal you would just end up in the, it's, it's almost like you don't know where one stops and the other starts it's they are absolutely like a unit and, you know, you get to know the animal, but you only get to know the animal because the person has, you've got to know the person. And it, it's it's a really complex relationship. And and that's the bit that that people find hard. So, you know, another thing that I guess came out of that um, <laughs> when we did the survey was why did you get involved with Street Vet? And most people changed their mind. It started off all about the pet and it's now ended up where people are really, you know, Engage with the people, and um, which is, you know, it's been really interesting. But the what came out of that for me um, has been the the most recent project that we've embarked on, which is, you know, yes, we can go out and we can help the pet, and that obviously helps the owner because they're that's their life, you know. Mm-hmm. But and we do the boarding so they can go to hospital. But the thing that was bothering all of our volunteers and all of us the most was that they couldn't get into a hospital because they had a pet. And there was this thing which, you know, still absolutely disgusts me. But if you are offered a room in a hostel and you have a pet and you refuse it because you won't give up your pet, you're then deemed as voluntarily homeless. So
1: that's disgusting, isn't
2: it? So there's like a little kind of black mark. Well, you've been offered. So
1: so you they've know, forgotten about that that's it they had the chance well they just
2: know that they you know they're not going to take the room so so one of the things that that we started to to look at is can we get what why are hostels saying no what can we do to help them and sometimes it was as easy as well oh, we'll get you some leads and we'll get you some muzzles or we'll get you a crate um but what's kind of evolved from that was there was a a competition, um, that was run, um, and I saw it on a Friday on LinkedIn and I decided that we could not apply for it. And the deadline was the Monday. So that was my weekend. Um, but it was about, (laughs) um, a project that enhances the human animal bond. Um, and I was like, right, it's been in our heads we've been talking about it for ages but we're going to do it um and we applied it was a global competition um and we won wow. so we won 41,000 pounds to wow. um yeah um to basically start it's called the street bit accredited hostel scheme so the premise behind it is we make it as easy as possible for hostels to say yes to pets. And and what is kind of involved, the background behind it is the biggest reason they say no is because they, they're they not confident. They've, they, you know, they're there to work with people and then mm. all of a sudden there's dogs and they're like, you know, who's responsible for their welfare? Like what happens here? Um, so a lot of it is training, um, training the staff. Um, education um, materials. Obviously, anyone that's in a street back credited hostel gets their vet care for free. Um, they get food delivered. They get you know all their bits that they need. We give them the vet care to get you know if they need to go to surgeries um, for a surgery, and we also. They have a telemedicine platform that we put in, like we have in the hostels, which allows them. You know, if there is an emergency and they mm. can't get a hold of a volunteer, they can at least get some immediate advice. So, yeah, we launched our first one in November, um, right. and that is the plan. That's what's that's what's coming, hopefully. Wow!
1: Wow, well, that that's amazing. I mean, gosh, I, I can't even begin to imagine the sea change that that, that would bring about.
0: That's that's yeah. absolutely incredible. So, so I, I need to ask you, Jade, we, we, we sometimes ask this question. And Go on. Well, that's, it's, a, it's a tough one here. I, th- I think I know what your answer is actually going to be. Go on. Well, you've, you've gone through a lot and you've done a lot in, in, your, in your time and, and have impacted a lot of lives. Um, so if you were writing not your, necessarily your 11-year-old self <laughs> who was going to uh, become a vet... Well, In fact, no. Let's change it. Let's let's do it. If you were going to write a letter or a card to your eleven-year-old self, who's going to set out and become a vet, what would you tell them? Don't okay. start street vet. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I'm 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 a believer. I love my job. I genuinely that do. comes across. That that um, really I I do. I absolutely love it, and I wouldn't I wouldn't do anything else. So, mm-hmm. um. I I, I, yeah I don't think I'd tell myself I'd probably tell myself not to work so hard Um, it wasn't necessary Um, I think I would have had more fun (laughs) at university because it really you know it didn't matter whether you got honours or not Um, it was a bit irrelevant so I think I would tell myself that but yeah I'd still do this every day of the week Mm -hmm. so
1: great
0: great so what would what would you tell that? Okay, so let's move it forwards and get, get something more constructive. What would you tell that uh, that young vet taking a rucksack out, stuffed full of who knows what, onto the street for the first time? <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, it's obviously evolved
0: a lot since then. Um,
2: yeah, um, I'd still I'd still do that as well. I do everything. I I don't regret it. I don't regret any no. of it. Um, but I think that. Um, yeah, it probably could have been been done a bit a bit better. The first so, so time what I did what that.
0: top tips would you give that person then? Big old say?
2: Bring a friend. Bring um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think I should have understood or tried to understand um my client base a bit better. Um because I genuinely and it's embarrassing to think it, but you know, like you know, just kind of bounced up to people like, you know, I'm here to help a lot, you know, and they're like, maybe not spoken to someone for three days. And they're like, who are you? Like, fuck off. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> and, you know, people are like, well, you know, were people not grateful? And I, oh, I, that really bothers me when people have this conversation about, I offered somebody who was sleeping on the street a coffee and they didn't want it. I was like, you know, it, Everybody's not there just to be grateful for your one moment of kindness. Like, you know, you don't know what's just happened to them for like every day of the week for the last week. And so, yeah, I think that I wish I'd understood better um, and what I know now about approaching people and um, engaging with people. And yeah, it was a real naivety um when when I did it. But I don't know, maybe that was, you know, maybe I needed to 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 find out those lessons that way. Um and and that's helped me to understand what the barriers are and why people don't, you know, go into a vet clinic. You know, I again I hadn't really realized that. And and they the, you know, we've got clients that will not leave where their their area is because they actually feel like a bit agrophobic. Like they, they, there's a bit of institutionalization that happens, you know, when mm-hmm. you're homeless. Um, and we had a dog that was going in for an operation, and the dog needed to be indoors afterwards. So we put the owner up in, I and mean, this was years ago, but in like a, um, I think it was just like a hotel for the night, and he didn't want to go in. Like he was, it was causing him a real anxiety. Mm. Um, And I think, again, that's what people don't understand. Like a lot of people got PTSD, um, you know, they're they're suffering with some pretty severe things. And, you know, so bouncing over um, and then getting offended when somebody doesn't want your your goodwill um, is not any reflection on, you know, like it's nothing to do with you. (laughs) It's all to do with them. I guess we tend
1: to, we tend to see, homeless people and, and, and um, people who, who are in need as these almost helpless children, don't we? It's a very uh, patriarchal, uh, patronizing view that, that we give them something and they, they look up to us with sort of Oliver Twist like, oh, thank you, God, God dear, this is great. But actually, th- these are people who are suffering hugely, uh, both physically and mentally, we have no conception Nothing. In, in any individual case of, of, of what's behind all that, what's caused it. And actually forcing help onto them is the wrong thing to do in those cases because yeah. they, they may not need it, they they may not want it, and actually they, they may be terrified of, of, of getting right. it. They may that their their, their uh, thoughts may go beyond. I don't want this to. This person is going to kill me. Hmm. It I think it's as terrifying as that.
2: It's so Josh, who cuts here. Um, when I was talking to him, he had a, somebody he used to speak to every, see him all the time. But he would never let him cut his hair. And it was only after, like, I don't know, four months or five months, he was like, okay, I'm ready for that haircut now. And and that's just a trust thing. That's a so like a spatial awareness thing. That's a million things that we probably don't even are. They're ashamed. Maybe they think like, you know, they don't want someone to touch their hair because it's dirty. Like, you know, there, there's so many things that go through, you know, from from anger, shame, pride. I- you know yep. um we 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 have no comprehension um what well, <laughs> what goes on um but i think that the biggest thing that that i have taken away from all of street Bit is is just how important it is to actually listen and speak to somebody and actually listen these people need to be feel like someone's connected and somebody's interested and spent taking time so going up and off like giving someone a coffee and then getting annoyed when they don't take it maybe they don't like coffee do you know what I mean did you ask yeah. you know and it's you know everybody's an individual and i just i remember i went up to one of um one of my clients and I was like right okay i'm, I'm going what do you want anything and he just looked at me and he was like I really, really want a strawberry milkshake, and I was like, "Okay, we'll make that happen." And that's mm-hmm. the thing; like, you need mm-hmm. to talk to people, um, yeah. Yeah. and and actually, and that's that is like with Josh. The beauty of what he does is he connects. While doing your hair, yeah, you know, when you get your hair cut, like I don't know, I'm sorry, Julian, but yeah, that, well, this has been Mike, you know, never <laughs> a bit of a <laughs> point. But you talk yeah. to your hairdresser, like, are, are and you, you tell them you things, things and you are open it? up. Yeah, really,
1: in your holiday, yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, Do you know I, I was I was in Brighton. Well, maybe that's back.
2: not the best speaking to you and and opening up and, and it's the yeah. same when you talk to them about their pet. You connect yeah. over something like common ground and, and then you get I mean, I we would never ever ask anyone their backstory or ask them any no. questions, but over time they, they start to tell you stuff. Um yeah. and and, and, it, and it's up to them
1: to deliver that, isn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. I was in Brighton a couple of weeks back, and and there was this um, uh, homeless chap in, in one of the uh, one of the shop doorways, and someone walked That's over amazing. with you know with, with with all the warmest of hearts, handed him a burger. I said there you go, mate. And he said, um, he said well, "What is this? It's a burger." It's, I'm, I'm, I'm a vegan, and. And the look of fury in this person's eyes as he stormed off. Yeah. Vegan, you can't be home fucking vegan. Well, of course, you can. You can have whatever moral or, or, or dietary wish you want. Yeah. <laughs> but, but there was this this
2: yeah. Well, you huge, should be grateful you know, for whatever I give you, basically. Yeah,
1: this arrogance. Yeah. You know, how can you make life choices when you're on the street? Well, that that's what that is. I- it's awful. Absolutely awful. I I, I was so shocked. Sure. Um, so not, I went up. But yeah, said, I mean, I think the, the base, look, the, base piece of <laughs> <laughs> the base piece of advice,
2: the base piece of advice to give anyone is just say hi and have a chat, you know. And and if you did and want to do something, ask them what they need. You absolutely. know, absolutely, and
1: and listen, and yeah. listen that yeah. listening is the most difficult thing in the world, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's free, <laughs> but actually, what does it cost us? It seems to cost a huge amount. Otherwise, we'd all be doing
0: it. I I, I was always told you've got two of these ears and one of those yeah use it in that order absolutely that sadly i wasn't listening at the time so uh, (laughs) that's brilliant tell me jade you you mentioned earlier on that um street vet counts as cpd it does so you you can say to the rcvs that you've worked for street vet for (laughs) two hours or four hours a month
2: I thought you were going to say five years. And I was like, yeah, I guess I could. No. Um, we do. It's like under, we say don't count all of your CPD as street vet. They wouldn't like that. But like um, doing a new project, mentoring, because a lot of the volunteers obviously mentor and teach the others. Mm-hmm. Um, At Street Vet, we do do CPD every month. So they get that anyway. And then the conference we give free CPD. So if you become a Street Vet volunteer, you we pretty much guarantee to give you your your whole year's CPD um, wow. in some form or other as a bit of a thank, well, as a thank you really for right. doing it. So mm-hmm.
0: I'm wondering if there's a, a minute or a 60 second space there for, for people to uh, to get 60 seconds worth of CPD.
2: I think there probably could be, but it would not be a very street bit. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't okay.
0: need, well, that's doesn't need to be. So have you, have you, have you come across our, our 60 second CPD challenge?
2: I have. You have? Are you up for it? Yeah, I mean, you'll have to time me. Oh,
0: oh, yes. Oh, that oh, oh it's
2: oh, oh it's it was hardcore. So oh, it's actually like there's my, a timer.
1: Mike's my, got his handy pocket timer there.
2: Yeah, I, yeah,
0: yeah. I've, I've got me my, my pocket watch. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's all here. So, okay. for those listeners, he's got a full size computer he's holding up to the screen now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so you're up for this, are you, Jade?
2: Well, I mean I'll give
0: it i give it a go. Okay, fantastic. What what what's your subject? Chinchillas. 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 Okay. Ooh.
2: Didn't see that coming, did you? We did no.
0: not, no. Oh, we didn't see that coming at all. <laughs> okay. So so Jade Stat. Um seemed to be Jade something else, probably. Um <laughs> Which is which is fine. Jade, Jade Stat from Street Vet. Um sixty second CPD on chinchillas starting
2: now. So if you have a chinchilla come in to see you, the first thing that you need to think about if they're not eating is about their teeth and you should feel underneath their jaw because they don't have a lot of fat pads. So what you're interested in is if you can feel any root elongation. The other thing that happens with chinchillas, if they are not eating, it's a bit similar to rabbits. So they're going to have small poos and they're also going to flick their ears, um, which they do quite a lot if they're in pain. The biggest thing that people do um, or underestimate in chinchillas is what to give them for pain relief. So the best thing is, well, high doses. It will seem high doses of meloxicam. So I give them half a milligram per kilogram, BID. Um, The other thing, um, very random, but important to know, if they have um, a penis prolapse, they probably have a fur ring, and the other thing to know is that if you need to take blood from a chinchilla, you should take it from their cranial vena cava.
1: Wow, gosh! And that is sixty seconds <laughs> of CBD on chinchillas, which you're absolutely right. We did not, we did not see coming. That was that was amazing. left field. <laughs> amazing, left, 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 and, and, and centre. That was brilliant. Thank you very much. That was much. fabulous. You're very welcome. Yeah. So do you keep chinchillas, Jade?
2: No, um, I got called out um, in my younger street, um, street vet days. See, this is how I feel like I say, my younger veterinary days. And mm. um, I was told that I had what I thought was a chihuahua cesarean and it was only when I got to the practice that it was actually a chinchilla cesarean and that was when I met this particular lady who kept like 70 chinchillas and yeah we she followed me every practice I went ever since and um, now I'm not in practice so no longer but um, I just ended up seeing a lot of chinchillas in my in my veterinary life and people would even though I have no. Particular skills I just got to to learn really. So I used to see a lot of chinchillas do pyometras on chinchillas, and yeah, it was. Um, I like them; they're they're pretty cute. But they, um, yeah, I just kind of ended up inadvertently learning stuff <laughs> about them. Wow! So it, wow. It,
0: it could have it could have been Jane Statt, the chinchilla vet rather it could than have Jane Statt the street. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Could have been that.
1: <laughs> I have to say, chinchillas are. Beautiful animals, they're, they're gorgeous. They're, to my mind, they don't make the pest, best best uh, pets because they they are they're very nervous, aren't they? I guess
2: it, it depends. Nocturnal. Yeah, it, it kind of. I mean, this particular lady, like, I mean, the chinchillas were so handled, so they were very mm. sweet, and they also, I mean, one of them I treated lived till he was like 23, 24. So yeah. I guess um, they can be good pets if they're looked after properly or, you know, um, bred properly, I guess, as well.
1: Yeah. I have a, a, a friend who's up the road who, who keeps uh, all sorts of exotic animals in terms of uh, squirrels and chipmunks and chinchillas and rabbits. And um, I have to say, his, his chinchillas are, are the friendliest animals I've ever known. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they live wild around his house. Nice. So you never, you're never quite sure when you when you open the front door, which which of his many beasts is going to jump out at you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I I see I see them quite often for tooth problems, and it's uh, it's something to, to bear in mind if you if you do have a chinchilla or, or a rabbit, they're they're very similar in terms of their, their dental problems, uh, and it's not eating. Just just feel underneath. Uh, if it's dribbling, then there's almost certainly tooth problems. So a wet, a wet jowl is an early sign of one. Uh, but excellent CPD. Really, really good. Fantastic. Have
2: you taken uh, blood from a chinchilla?
1: I have, yes.
2: Did you do the cranial vena cava?
1: I did the cranial vena cava. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I've, uh, I've put chinchilla on uh, on, on drips
2: mm. before.
1: And I've tended to use the, um, uh, the greater tubercle of the, uh, the femur. I'll mm. drink a precanter rather than a femur and do yeah. intraosseous. Nice, um, but yeah, yeah, I think find them very rewarding actually to treat. Yeah, because it's usually fairly easy. Mm-hmm. As you say, there's, there's three problems they tend to suffer from, <laughs> and you, the, the only comes is yeah, I, I think it's a dental problem. There he is! you know your <laughs> chinchillas do? You? Yeah, I've seen a few. So, what do you do outside of street vetting and chinchilla?
2: Vesting oh, um no! I mean, I wish I had. At the moment, I just arrange a wedding. Um, that seems to be <laughs> what I'm what I'm doing. And looking up COVID restrictions. Um, yeah, I I have two two dogs, so I do a lot of walking. I've got a Siberian Husky and a Belgian Malinois cross. Wow, um, he's a kind of street vet. Um, don't know what you should call them. Um, I, I inherited him, shall we say. Um So, yeah, so he, they're, they're hard work. I've not long moved house, so I feel like I'm just doing stuff like that. Um And normally I do a lot of socialising, but that has been somewhat scuppered of late also.
1: Mm. Not a lot of that is there at the
2: moment. No. So, um, mm. And the gym, so I now just do online hit classes. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's all, yeah, yeah, it's all kind Mike of, and I have been doing
0: a lot of those. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Every morning, up right and early. Right
0: now, I'm going to hit this. <laughs> this is what hitting is, isn't it? Yep. Absolutely.
2: High yep. 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 intensity drinking, that's yep. the one.
1: Night, night hit, nice night hit. Excellent.
0: Yeah. yeah we, we get our social thrills, or I get my social thrills every Sunday, sticking needles in people's arms, mm. which is uh, mm. very rewarding.
1: It's very, it is it's very rewarding. I
0: was, I was thinking about that when you were saying about how um, – You've got to let the person that you're you're speaking with open up, and and Julian will probably testify this because he he does uh, he does COVID injections as well, and uh, it's incredible. You know, some people just don't want to talk to you; they they just want to sit in the chair, get it over with. Other people, you have to show the door because they're telling you their whole health history. Here, yes, you're here. Yeah. You're here for a jab. We're going to give it to you. Oh really? And then that happened, did it? Oh yes, actually. But,
2: but do you not well, think course, it's because a lot of people in seventy
0: five? <laughs> well, I
1: was, was six a dog then. I don't know, yeah, but yeah.
2: Do you not think it's because people haven't maybe had people to talk to, yeah. and they just want to talk, yeah, and you, you're it. listening? Yeah,
1: it is, but I think there are people who would talk a lot at any vaccine, <laughs> regardless of uh, COVID. Yeah, uh, and in fact, we, we had we had a session at uh, Brighton of of, of injecting of uh, vaccinating the, a lot of homeless people. Uh, now, there were two teams. There was, one, there was a team that went out, and I wasn't part of that. Uh, but there was a team uh, after hours where a lot of the homeless people w- were, were uh, convinced that it was safe to, to, to come in. Yeah, uh, And we just dealt with them by, by the door. Um, and that was, you know, that was one, of, one of the best nights ever. That was fantastic. So they were, they were all. Yeah, brutal. I mean,
2: we've been. Um, yeah, I think it's. Um, we've just joined up with a health bus in in Bournemouth um, that are doing the vaccines, and we're going to do the dogs um, at the same time as well. Um, but yeah, you know, I I think that it's. They were talking about giving us, I mean, maybe you do this already, giving us like we cards that say you're eligible for a COVID vaccine so we could give our clients so that they felt, because again, that's another thing, that they need sometimes to feel a bit empowered that they have the right to it. Um, mm. And, you know, so so that's something that um, this this person that I was talking to, she's actually an RVN, um, but she's working with the COVID um, sort of response in, in Bournemouth was talking about getting us these we cards to give out. So, yeah.
1: Right. We've, we've done cards and certificates. Uh, We've actually got a CBD certificate for tonight. Mm. So uh, because you've given uh, a full minute, a full minute of CBD. And and of course, veterinary ramblings do, do, do count as a CBD. So here we go. Here's the CBD certificate. (laughs) It says, it says certificate of stuff, what you learned. This certifies that you probably know stuff now that you didn't know earlier, almost definitely.
2: Excellent, absolutely. And just
1: to explain what's on there, there's a rucksack. That's that's what you started out with two years ago in uh, in, in street bet. That actually is a chinchilla with offset uh, incisors, <laughs> and and there's there's a husky. Oh, there. Uh, so we've done that we that that's that's a picture of me when faced with uh with a chinchilla and there's a little saying so this says give a man a fish and you'll feed him for a day teach him how to fish and you'll create a boring twat who only talks about fishing (laughs) And, and here we go this is i think hope for us all there's a rainbow uh, showing us the, the pot of gold that we're all due when uh, when COVID finally gets under control and we can go out and and, uh, and volunteer for street vetting. Exactly. Do you, do you know yeah. like Julian, Yes, yes.
0: I think it's, yes. a, and you'll feed him for life.
1: Yeah. I've got a joke though. Come on, uh, then tell us a joke. Jade, about this time I, I normally finish us off uh, quite literally with, uh, with, with <laughs> an absolute rotten, <laughs> absolutely rotten joke. And this ties into to your your Scottish ancestry. Because uh, years ago, uh, Mike and I went um, went to the Scottish Highlands uh do a bit of walking and we went in Mike's camper van. But unfortunately, uh, the rain was, was so bad that the Mike's camper van leaked everywhere. We were freezing cold, so we decided... We'd, we'd probably best stop one night and get some shelter. And, and luckily enough, there was a little light in a cottage up ahead. So we um, we knocked on the door. And a really rather attractive woman uh, answered the door. And, and um, we said, look, we're freezing cold, we're soaking wet, camper vans leaking, any any shelter? And she said, uh, she said I'm recently widowed. And the neighbours would, would frown upon me if I took anyone in for the night. So I'm afraid not. We said, "Look, no, nothing at all. We're we, camper van soaking." He said, "Look, you, you can sleep in the barn across the way there. No problem at all." So we did. We did. The next morning it was bright again, and off we went on our merry way. The odd thing was, about nine months later, I received uh, a, 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 quite a, an official-looking letter uh, from a solicitor up in up in Scotland, uh, and it took me a while to figure out what was going on about this nine months later. You know, I, I phoned Mike and I said, um, I said, do you remember you know, a while ago we were up in Scotland and uh, we stayed in that barn? Yeah. He said, yeah. I said, Derek, that night, did you, did you pay a little visit? He said, yeah, I, I did actually. Sorry. I said, did you, did you give her my name and pretend that you were me? He said, actually, yeah, I did. I did. Why? She said, because she's just died and left me everything. <laughs>
2: Very good. I would have appreciated a wee bit of a Scottish accent though. I', I, I was I, I was waiting for one you oh, know oh, that's a bit fife, but that'll do. Well. But Mrs. Doubtfire, actually.
1: <laughs> I didn't want to be around Glasgow because no one understands that accent. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but we'll provide subtitles to Excellent. people. Excellent.
2: That's watching. important. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, we, we, can, we can do that. So uh, um, do. that's brilliant. So, but, uh, but I was going to ask you one last question. I mean, do you actively recruit for Street Vet? And yes. if, somebody, if somebody listening um has got some skills that uh, they'd be quite happy to share with with the homeless of, of the uk and uh, the
2: areas that you cover How, how's best for them to get in touch with you so yeah we we actively recruit vets and nurse volunteers so uh-huh. um anyone that's interested in that side of it you can email join us at streetvet.org.uk and that's join with a dash us um and we are also we, we do have central volunteers as well so people who are non-clinical and want to help us with other skills so we have people that help us with admin people that help us with fundraising people that help us with social media blogging all that kind of stuff
1: and i guess another thing we can do is um is give money is that right
2: Always. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we've got um, we've got a platform on the website. So we've got Just Giving, we've got Golden Giving. There's Facebook Donate, you name it. There's lots of different ways um, for people to donate money. Every location also has an Amazon wish list. So if people like to actually purchase something for some like a dog if we put a post up saying we've got a dog in brighton that needs a buggy then people can can go on and actually you know buy a specific thing so that that's really Really? nice um and yeah in terms of vet practices um we obviously we have practices that that give us percentages off and also give us pro bono treatments which is amazing so there's lots of different ways that that people can get can get involved and help if they so wish Absolutely, so, cool.
1: Uh, Jade, th- th- there is so much I could I can ask you, and, and, and there, yeah. my mind's buzzing with uh, with, with, with things. Uh, but as, everything you've told us tonight has been so incredibly mind blowing. Yeah. What a wonderful thing Street Streetbed is, and what a wonderful and amazing job you, you are doing. Uh, thank you. Think, no no thank thank you thank you so much. Yep. Uh, and if, if we are able in some tiny way to, um, to, to get people to know about the work that Street Vet does and, and people in different countries, uh, perhaps to, to start these initiatives mm.
2: uh, yeah. and, I mean, and to
1: contact Jade to find out how to do so.
2: There are some, there's some exciting initiatives going on all over the world. So I'd love to, honestly love to hear from other people doing it. Cause we can all learn and and help each other. There's some in France that I've spoken to. There's one in Australia um, and Canada. No, it's, <laughs> it's definitely, you know, there's a need sadly um, everywhere, but if we can collaborate and, and get together some ideas, it, it all helps. So. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, on that note, Jade. Jade Stat
0: from Street Pet, thank you very, very much <laughs> indeed coffee. for joining us. Thanks for having you. me. And well, thank you. And may your dog go with you.
1: <laughs> may your dog go with you.
0: Cheers.